0: So, Jesus, it's really good to see you again, and I'm glad oh. to hear that uh, uh, that you've been staying at uh, 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 Suko. Su- what's the name of the water? Sumeda Rama S- Sumeda Rama. Wow, that's an interesting name there, giving much on tomato.meto Rama, okay.. Um, and uh, I I understand that that's part of the um, Achan Cha's tradition. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you had a really good experience there. Mm -hmm. Things are really uh, changing over time that the Western monks are finally beginning to figure out what it is to be a monk, which means to be happy and easygoing. Most of the monks, when Westerners, when they start to become a monk, they're really uptight about it.
1: Yeah, okay. This one's very nice. This was very easy. Easy going, yeah. So,
0: um, we had gotten started. Um, the one of the problems that the Westerners have is um, language, because in the time of the Buddha, when the Buddha spoke about uh, the jhanas, for instance. The people around him already knew what he was talking about. It was part of the religion of of the area. Um, But with uh, the Western mindset, it's completely alien. We don't know anything about it. And instead of really just looking at what the um, uh, the sutras say, specifically it is, we get all dreamy and all greedy about thinking that it's a, uh, a special or a superhuman state or uh, whatever like that. And the fact is, is that people go in and out of jhana on a natural basis. And that what we're going to be doing here is actually gaining some control over it rather than it being happenstance. Alright, so. Uh, a kind of an example or a way to uh, understand it would be just like reading, that we can read. We read stuff on the internet, we read it on the screen. Now there's two ways of reading. The first way is is that we get in, we find out something that we want to read, we're kind of curious and interested, we start reading, it gives us some ideas, we start thinking about what we're reading, and pretty soon, just like Gawenka. The mind wanders away from the reading, but we still have the eyes going along the book. And maybe we even turn the page before we recognize that we're not getting what was read. Or maybe we start into the next paragraph and say, wait a minute, what's this all about? We have to go back to the paragraph before because we've gotten lost, okay? That's the normal way that we're reading. But it's also possible that we can become interested in something and really start to absorb it, to really stay with it, and know sentence by sentence that we've gotten what that sentence has, and we can move on to the next, because we're paying attention. Okay, this is very, very much then like jhana. just being able to read. And we've been taught to read for many, many years, and yet most of us are not very good at it because while we're reading, the mind is also wandering around. Okay. Okay. We can go a little bit further into it and say that there is a natural state that humans get into that can be called the second jhana, And that the example that I would give on that would be that the guys are out on the hunt All they've got is maybe their um, no clothes, no shoes. They've got a spear and they see a wild hog and they know that if they can catch that wild hog, they've got dinner and they've got to keep their eye on that wild hog because that wild hog is going to run through the brambles. He's going to run through the bushes. He's going to run under fallen trees. He's going to do anything to hide from those hunters, Mm -hmm. and so the chase is on. If those hunters lose sight of that wild boar, they've lost that wild boar. They've got to keep track. Mm -hmm. They've got to closely watch while they're running barefoot through the jungle. (laughs) They still got to keep an eye on that wild hog. Now that was, that was done. Nowadays, kids can't do that, (laughs) (laughs) but human beings are capable of doing that. So a new example would be a formula one race car driver. Now, before the race, they make sure that the car is in good shape and also every one of the drivers will walk the track. They will know they'll learn that track and know it really, really well. But while they're out racing, they've got to pay attention to what they're doing. Mm. A new oil spill, a new leak, a new bolt on the road, or even grandma walks right out into traffic. Because this is Formula One, you know, they use normal roads for that. If that driver has the thought, old lady, you should not be out here on the road, they'll have already killed her. The car is going too fast. Mm. Right. We've got to have that fast reaction time, okay? So, what we're talking about here with Jana is, is that these are normal functions that human beings have. It's actually quite possible for people not- uh, I think you're frozen. Or
1: am I frozen? Oh. Um Okay.
0: I, back okay. again. Okay. So the uh Buddhadasa talks about it as a little vibhanna. So imagine that the factory worker in the north of the u.s has just come home he's got his in the winter time so he's wearing his heavy overcoat he gets off of the bus or whatever and trudges through the snow to get in the house he puts that big heavy coat on the coat rack and he sits down in his favorite easy chair uh, and (laughs) relaxes And he can go into a really, it's momentary. It doesn't last more than 30 seconds or so, but it's a real deep, relaxed, nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the mind will start up again. Yeah. Okay, so we can actually see then that these states are natural states, nothing Mm -hmm. that magical or special about them. I like that. All right, so as we understand it that way, we can say, well, wait a minute. If they're natural states anyway and people go in and out of these states kind of haphazardly, let's see if we can start to develop it so that we know what we're doing when we're doing it. And the first quality of it is is that we remove the hindrances from the mind. Gosh, there's so many sutras that talk about that. In the Satipatthana Sutta, when it goes into talking about the Dhamma Nupasana, it talks about five things, I think there's about five of them. And the first one is the hindrances. And And it goes through the list of each of the hindrances with the statement of, and this should be removed from the mind. And then the next group of things is actually aspects of the Dhamma. The seven factors of enlightenment, the five aggregates, uh, and the four noble truths and the eight noble path are comes next. What that actually means is, is that when the mind is free from the hindrances, then the best thing that we can do is, to put the mind in wholesome states is by thinking about the Dhamma. The Dhamma is wholesome. And so if we're thinking about the Dhamma, I mean, you're just uh, walking along the street or whatever like that without paying much attention. And then all of a sudden you do remember and recognize that you're thinking about the Dhamma.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That means that you've probably been in a pleasant state, not full of suffering. Mm-hmm. If when we're thinking about the Dhamma, we're thinking about wholesome things. So... We can also think about wholesome things in the sense of recognizing that some things are probably going to be unwholesome. Thinking about the past. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking about the past, see, the way that the human mind works with uh, our instinctual behavior is that we tend to remember the dangers. So that we won't have to repeat them. But there are many tens of thousands of pleasant things that happen that we don't remember at all because we don't need to remember them. we rem- we need to remember the dangers so that we can stay out of danger next time. Mm-hmm. What that does, if we're not careful, is it puts us in the position of looking and finding dangers all over the place where none actually exists.
1: Yep.
0: Hang on a second. Got a call coming in. I'll bet it. Be. So when when dangers don't exist, but we feel in danger anyway, what that means is is that we uh, we're in a false state. It's called a false positive state. We're in a state of feeling afraid. When there's nothing here to be afraid of.
1: The mm-hmm.
0: reality is that the room that you're in right now is safe. You got no alligators on the floor, you got no crocodiles, you don't have the uh, the Russian mafia beating the door down, you don't have a SWAT <laughs> team. Okay. Then in fact the way that we're talking about it is is that the, the mind goes into trouble they want to stay safe and yet we are already safe but we still have thoughts about how we're not safe mm-hmm. so we need to then start uh, instead of going to the past because the past is absolutely chock block full of everything that went wrong in our lives and we remember that and the tens of millions of things that went right we tend not to remember any of that stuff And for that reason, it's better to kind of stay out of the past. Don't reminisce and ruminate about the past because you're probably going to run into some dangerous thing that feels dangerous now where, in fact, it was something that happened years ago. The danger is gone, but the feeling of danger remains. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is think about it. And we feel unsafe. So let's think of things then that are safe so that we can begin to feel safe. So the 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 quality then of thinking the kind of thoughts that we want to think. Is a major part of the training, and yet it's um, not emphasized the way that it that it ought to be. Like, for instance, the Mahasi method, they talk about noting. But they don't talk about changing. Yeah, Okay. so. Buddha's model is a change model, okay? That, in fact, the entire teachings of the Buddha could be summed up as Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. And that's change right there, to see the Dukkha and then to step out of its way, to avoid it. That's what uh, the whole teachings of the Buddha is about, and that's why the Four Noble Truths arranged the way that they are, is to see the first noble truth, as dukkha. Now, what that actually means is, uh, it's not life itself that's dukkha. A lot of people make that mistake. Life itself is dukkha. No, life itself is to be fully enjoyed. The dukkha is optional. But in fact, the dukkha has a cause. It's not inherent. It's not part of the landscape. It's something that's added extra, unnecessarily extra. It's sort of like the driver who drops the pizza onto the road, dust it off a little bit, and then delivers it when it's still dirty, okay? We add that dust, we drop things in the road, we pick it up, and we think that the pizza was already inherently dirty, to where in fact, no, the dirt came (laughs)
1: later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if we can understand that, then let's stop having these dirty thoughts. Let's stop having these hindrances, these hindrances of danger, hindrances of trying to get even that in fact, it's really easy to understand what unwholesome thoughts are in the sense of taking revenge, getting even, um, wanting to get our way. These are the kinds of things then that we can see is downright unwholesome. Then we can say that, well, that means that we can figure out some thoughts that are downright wholesome, and we can actually intend to have those kind of thoughts. What are the thoughts that would be downright wholesome without a discussion about it? Thoughts of this present moment, thoughts of friendliness, thoughts of everything is okay, no place to go, nothing to do, everything is all right, everything's all right, everything's okay. These are the thoughts, then, that we can actually start applying with our practice of meditation to make sure, then, that the thoughts are wholesome. Now, um, there is actually a sutta number 19, and the name of the sutta is two kinds of thoughts. This is where the Buddha talks about wholesome and unwholesome thoughts in the sense that we can figure out which are unwholesome thoughts. Like I just mentioned, thoughts of cruelty, thoughts of harm, thoughts of getting even, thoughts of punishing another person, thoughts about punishing ourselves, thoughts of penance. Those are the kind of things, thoughts of doing things we don't want to do. These are all harmful to us and keeps us in, um, let us say, the state that we were born in, which was a state of victimhood. Every child is born as a victim. We can't feed ourselves. We can't dress ourselves. We don't know the language. We have to be told what to do and where to go. And as we get a little bit older, like the age of five or six, the nurturing that we got as in in infancy turns now into criticism, but we Mm -hmm. still keep that victim's position. What is that? Go pick up your clothes, clean your room, do what you're told to do, do your homework, learn your ABCs. You know, all of the kinds of stuff that you heard when you were a kid. That uh, it's like every six-year-old has the thought, wait a minute, mommy, I'm a kid here. Why do you want me to be a junior adult? <laughs> well, that's what our society demands of us is to, uh, to be fit for work according to the society, rather than being fit for life. According to have a mind is fit for work. So these, these thoughts that we have then going to eventually the Anapanasati Sutta. The Anapanasati Sutta has the phrase of gladdening the mind. Now we can think of that as changing the mind from unwholesome thoughts to the wholesome thoughts. But in fact, this is in in the section of the mind's abilities itself, or let us call it the state of mind. That the state of mind that you're in will control or has influence over the thoughts that we have. And so we can begin to change our thoughts our states of mind. This is what we mean by gladdening the mind is, let's come out of our victimhood and go and brighten up. Mm -hmm. Get the mind working correctly, flowing. And, and when we do that, that gladdening of the mind, then, um, brightening the mind is what we need then to be able to have the wholesome thoughts. And with the wholesome thoughts, We begin to apply them one after another, after another. And eventually let us say, uh, that we take that as the object that, in fact, what we've been talking about just today, we've taken several different objects. We've taken the language that we're using, the thoughts Mm -hmm. themselves, and also we take what kind of state state is the mind in is the mind sharp? Is it focused? Is it scattered? Is it disjointed? Is it sleepy? Is it tired? Is it fit for work? So we begin to investigate the state of mind that we're in. And then we can also begin to investigate the body. By taking deep breaths, we energize the body. By letting a, a long, deep out-breath, we actually purify the body. Mm-hmm. Because the, the bloodstream gets full of carbon dioxide through the normal living of the day. But if that carbon dioxide stays in the blood, that's what we mean by the feeling of being tired. That when the muscles don't work anymore, the, they get tired and sore actually means then that they can't get the nourishment that they need out of the blood and they can't get their exhaust out. It's very much like a standard dice automobile with a potato or a banana in the tailpipe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) And so this is why we want to start breathing well. By breathing well, it actually relaxes the body, but it also helps us to see the tensions in the body. So as we as we're breathing well. We can begin to experience the body. Some students will say, "Oh, I'm full." The body is full of anxiety. They can mm-hmm. begin to feel this stuff in the body, and the way that we deal with that then is through intentionally relaxing. What we can call breathing into that area of the body that's that's tense. We can also give the body little massages. Some people have a lot of tension in their head. At least that's where they yeah. experience it. All okay. this, yeah. and others have tension in the neck and basically they're the same thing the tensions in the head are caused because of the tensions in the neck so let's go ahead and do what needs to be done for the body <clears throat> let's give the shoulders some exercise the back of the mm-hmm. head moving things around allowing the body to get relaxed and i know that some of the purest of meditations will be saying oh well you shouldn't be doing that you should be sitting still with your hands folded and whatnot like that but the buddha doesn't ever say that you've got to sit still there's no place in the suttas what it says is sitting relaxed and comfortable That, in fact, comfort of the body is what we're looking for. How in the heck do you expect us to be able to get to step four of Anapanasati to relax the body when we're sitting in an uncomfortable position? We can't relax. We got to first to get comfortable and also getting relaxed in a place that is actually, in reality, safe. In other words, going to the police station to meditate is not a good idea.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs)
0: That's not a safe place. We need to find a safe place. Then, in fact, the Buddha recommends go to the forest, go to a foot of a tree, go to an empty hut, go to a pile of straw. But the Westerners hear that is, oh, pay $2,000 to go to a meditation retreat. Yeah. And guess what? They wind up kind of being on display in their own mind, which is not a safe position to be in. They think everybody's watching them because they're too busy watching everybody else. And (laughs) they are only supposed to pretend to be in seclusion. That's so true. And and actually being in seclusion is safer than uh, being in a retreat where people are pretending to be in seclusion. Mm-hmm. So with that, we can get the body feeling safe, secure, and comfortable. And with that, it'll begin to relax. The same thing is true with our thoughts, that we start having wholesome thoughts. We start brightening the mind. We start telling ourselves, this is good. I can do this. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. And we can just sit there in comfort and in ease and the body relaxes and we feel really good. All right. And that feeling good means that we feel safe. We feel secure. We feel comfortable. We feel relaxed. And we can also then feel satisfied. This is okay. Now, by doing that, over and over and over again, and by doing that, what I'm saying is just three things out of the Eightfold Noble Path. The Eightfold Noble Path is, is to wake up, look at what you're doing, and making a change. To wake up, look at what we're doing, and making a change. and And by doing that, making the change, we continue to apply the mind to that and sustain it. And as we do that, we gain confidence. I can do this. And that confidence building then goes to the Pali word of pity. And now, guess what? We have already gotten all of the persigna factors. We just talked about each one of them. And the most important one is the freedom from the hindrances to get the mind in a good state. By getting the mind in a good state, not only frees us from hindrances, but it also helps us to feel really good to feel safe, secure, and comfortable. Now, if you could live your life walking around, going any place, walking into the president's office, walking into prison, walking onto the pulpit, walking onto the stage, walking out in traffic, wherever you go, you go with a mind that's clean, pure, bright, established in the reality. And you, you feel good, you feel safe, secure, and comfortable wherever you go and satisfied. Would that not be a nice life to have?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can sign up. <laughs> Where I can right. sign
0: up. <laughs> okay. Who could ask for anything more? That's the whole point of it, you see, is that the teachings of the Buddha are actually easy. There's not much to the teachings of the Buddha. If we practice correctly, anyone who does practice correctly can get the benefits of it. But within Western Buddhism, we have put stuff way high, way so far away. Like Nibbana is almost impossible. Like you gotta die or something to get Nibbana and then there's absolutely no guarantee, okay? But yet in fact, we can see that everybody has little Dhamma moments. Everybody has those. Everybody occasionally has first jhana. Everybody occasionally has the various states. So all we have to do is practice and getting good at something that we already have naturally. And that helps build that competence. Of course, we can do that. Everybody can do this. And yet when people start to practice, they say, oh, poor me. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, monkey mind. Oh, meditation. (laughs) I don't know what to do, you know. All right. Now, here's what's really happening is, is that as Goenka says, when the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind start again. We don't never mind start again. If the mind is already in hindrance when we wake up, it stays in hindrance unless we make that change. The never mind part actually is a very um, energetic thing to do, making that change. So when the mind wanders away, never mind, <laughs> throw that stuff down. Aha, I see you and throw it out okay. And and come back. And so dealing with those hindrances is almost the entire work that needs to be done once we get really good at removing the hindrances, there's no more work to the teaching of the Buddha. It's all easy downhill after that. Here's an example of that, that I give give some students. Imagine a violin, you know, a violin's got four strings. right. So let's say that all we are interested in doing in the beginning is getting One note out of that violin. That's all we're going to do is get one note out of that violin. All right. In order to do that, we've got to have a violin. We've got to have a bridge and a neck and a body and a curl and a fretboard and a bridge and all of that stuff functioning correctly and just one string. Just one string. That's what we need. Okay, so we could say then that the first jhana is like getting the violin together and getting one string. And then the second, the third, and the fourth jhana is just like adding an extra string to the violin. That's the really easy part.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Those higher jhanas are easy to do. But for the Westerner, they're not. Why is that? Because we don't have that full violin. It's not there together. That Let us say that we put one string on it and the violin can handle We put that second string on it and the violin bow <laughs> collapses because it's okay. not strong. Okay. All right. So what that means then is that we have to get that violin secure. The work is getting the violin body strong which means that we have to develop getting the hindrances out of the mind over and over and over again. That that's the main thing. So our, almost, almost all of our practice then the work of it, the actual effort is to change the mind from an unwholesome state into a wholesome state. To gladden the mind, to brighten the mind, to come out of our victim's mentality into the winner's mentality. It's not having the thoughts of, oh, this is hard and monkey mind and what do I do next and all of those kind of thoughts into, wow, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. This is good. I like this. And so that's in the state of the first jhana. Let's start practicing that and maintaining it without having any thoughts about the higher jhanas. There's no reason for that, that this state of first jhana. In fact, the Buddha says it, why was I afraid of the first jhana? There's a story about that is referred to as the rose apple tree, because when he Mm -hmm. was a young man, he was sitting under the rose apple tree and uh, while his dad was doing a, uh, a plowing ceremony, um, he was king, you know, so they have to go do the spring, uh, uh, you know, like ribbon cutting kind of thing. All right. So that's what they were doing out there. And um, uh, uh, Gatatha was sitting under the rose apple tree. And then years later, he's reflecting upon that, thinking now. Why am I afraid of the first jhana? Then, in fact, that's the path to enlightenment. He had already tried all the other jhanas. He had already also tried all the austerities and everything that was available to him as a practitioner. And they had some pretty weird stuff back then. In fact, in India, they still do some pretty weird stuff. And they've been doing it for centuries. And he tried all of that stuff and recognized that it's not the path. The path to the first to the enlightenment or the path to freedom is the first jhana. And getting into it and staying in it and coming back to it and getting in and out of it easily. That's the real teachings of the Buddha. And that the Eightfold Noble Path is specifically designed around getting the mind into that state and the actual meditation practice of Anapanasati is specifically designed around getting the mind into that state, mm. that state of comfort and ease and satisfaction, and also confidence. The
1: confidence that's the part I, that's the I part do this. Yes. Pardon? I think the confidence is the part I'm lacking. Sometimes, like I feel like, uh, oh. It's not gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Yeah, so I tell right. myself sometimes.
0: And those are hindering thoughts. It prevents us from mm. being able to be in that state. But if you change that thought, this is harder. It'll never happen. Or I can't do it. And those kind of hindering thoughts, which is also victim thoughts, we can say, Ah, look, I am having a victim's thoughts. The mm. mind is in a victim state. Let's change that state of mind from being in a victim state into being in a winner state. I can do this. I can take a deep breath. I can do this. And so we keep telling ourselves over and over again. Why basically it's because we have been talking ourselves in our whole lives into feeling bad, one thought after another, after thought after another leaves us in a state of not quite good enough. So now we have to um, balance that by having tons and tons of new thoughts that are going to counterbalance that so that brings us back into the wholesome state or the way of saying it, you have been talking yourself into feeling bad your whole life. Now it's time to talk yourself into feeling good. Mm -hmm. We can talk ourselves into feeling good. Then in fact, that's the only way that we can feel good. What do I mean by that? Well, wait a minute. Johnny, when he was 16, got a new car for Christmas, and he was really happy about that car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he could have gotten that car for Christmas and and told his mom it was the wrong car and felt bad. It was still his mental state. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. good feelings and bad feelings come from mental state, not from something that happens on the outside. It's always inside. And so this, this thing that we're teaching is actually easy to do. It's easy to remember, it's easy to understand, and it's easy to do, but it has to be done over and over and over and over and over again. And then the process of doing that students will often ask the question, well, what comes next after this? The answer is, is that you don't have it yet if you're asking the question, what comes next, that when you've actually got that state, the the statement that you're making instead is, this is good enough. I don't have to ask for what's next. This is good enough. It may not be um, 10 miles into the air, but it's good enough. This is what satisfaction is really all about, is things are good enough. And if we practice that satisfaction and feeling good enough over and over and over again, there's no end to how good we can actually feel at good enough. This is this will do. A little dab will do you. That's all we need, just enough. And we become easily satisfied. Right, not much to it, it. is it? Yeah, there's not much to this teaching. It's it's (laughs) easy to do. We just have to keep practicing. It's good enough right now.
1: (laughs) It's like a it's like a fresh air after after so many books and so many things and that. This is like a blow of fresh air. Like that's it.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Things are good enough. (laughs) Uh
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, wow. thank you. Well, I can I can tell by the smile on your face that you got it. Something clicked in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Huh? Yeah, it's just uh, it's so, so many as you hear and uh, and you hear one more and that's like okay, it's something clicking. Yeah, something clicking. It's uh, yeah, It's beautiful. It's not it's complicated
0: beautiful. at all. It's just different from what we've been told.
1: Yeah. Yeah but it's so beautiful and so simple at the same time and it's like uh, i it's find myself like looking looking for something or something I don't know. and this is a yeah
0: okay we'll go have fun with this allow this to be a new toy to play with rather than a mountain to climb
1: mm, mm.
0: okay mm. So that the mind is a toy and and it's and it's fun to play with. It's fun to catch it when it falls over, and we can pick it up and set it right again.
1: Wow, well, that was beautiful, Thank you very much. It was uh...
0: all right. Well, <laughs> let's let's finish the talk now, and and you okay. can go practice this. And after a week oh, or so, you can call him back, and we'll continue on with this. But you, I think okay. you've got it. I can see it in your <laughs> smile. I, now I get what he's talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Thank you very much. That was right. uh, beautiful too. Yeah, thank you. I see you next, next time.
0: Yes, see you again soon. Okay. Ciao,
1: ciao. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye.